Welcome to Kali Tribune podcast. In this episode, I will provide an answer to a question by one of our readers that is seemingly very simple. He asks, what is ontology? Now, this word that is today understood as denoting a philosophical so-called discipline, among other philosophical disciplines, uh, is very commonly used. And I'm sure that uh, you listening to me already have some uh, implied understanding of what it means. And I would recommend uh, maybe pausing for a second and trying to figure out what this meaning that you maybe uh, figured out for yourself is. In the following, I'll try to show that uh, this is not really a simple question, or better to say, question is simple, but answer is by no means simple, because implications of ontology uh, takes us take us very deep in the very nature of philosophy and the difference between contemporary or modern philosophy and traditional metaphysics. Uh, namely, ontology is not an expression that's been with us for a long time now. It was first used as uh, to denote a uh, proverbial philosophical discipline was 18, in 18th century and it was used by uh, famous, at his time at least, uh, an influential German philosopher Christian Wolff who was uh, a philosophical follower of the teachings of Leibniz. Uh, the reason why Wolf introduced uh, this word to denote a special philosophical discipline is because he was intent to build a system of philosophical sciences. In this system, of what was originally in Middle Ages understood as metaphysics, was separated into uh, various disciplines. The first division of metaphysics for Christian Wolff was division between Metaphysica Generalis and Metaphysica Specialis, where Metaphysica Specialis is further divided into, into science of God, theology, science of soul, that is to say rational psychology, and the science of the world as a whole, that is to say, rational or metaphysical cosmology. Metaphysica generalis, on the other hand, is synonymous with ontology. Now, this is very important. First of all, when we today talk about Aristotle's ontology or Thomas Aquinas' ontology, uh, we are implica implying, at least by words, in themselves, that Thomas and Aristotle had ontology uh, in some variation of the senses that Christian Wolff uh, defined it. 
that is to say as a philosophical discipline among other disciplines in the system of science. This is not true. This is, in fact, the opposite of truth. But we'll get back to that. Namely, uh, ontology, in the modern sense of the word, is a science or philosophical discipline that inquires about being as such. Being, that is to say, not in the sense of any given, as moderns like to say, set of beings, that is to say, not beings insofar as they are numbers, not beings insofar as they are uh, beings of nature, substances of, or entities in nature, uh, physical beings, uh, not in the sense even the beings uh, are the psychological phenomena called beings. Ontology is the discipline that inquires uh, into uh, each and every one of them only insofar as they are. Uh, the implication here is, of course, uh, that every being has uh, or no matter how different uh, it is, no matter what different set of beings it belongs to, or set of entities, has this in common, that it is. This is ontology. In this sense, ontology in the modern age and uh, postmodern age is sharply distinguished from metaphysics. Uh, because today, on university, you can have a collegium or uh, a subject taught by professor that is called ontology, or ontology of this, ontology of that. But you won't find metaphysics, at least not in the secular universities. The reason for this is that metaphysics implies the existence of the causes and principles that are first, causes and principles of the being in general. Uh, that would mean that uh, if we pair up ontology and metaphysics, if we would uh, to join them into one science, as was the originally the case, uh, this ontological metaphysics, let's call it like that for a second, uh, would be inquiry of being in a universal sense, being insofar it is a being, and its causes and principles. No such thing is endeavored today. And the reasons are very important. And this is what gives a depth to our discussion on this uh, rather simple question. To get back to Christian Wolff, Christian Wolff's importance uh, for contemporary philosophy and philosophy, history of philosophy in general is mostly that he provided a blueprint uh, for the structure of Immanuel Kant's critique of pure reason or critique of pure mind. <coughs> because insofar as Kant's critique is a critique of metaphysics, by which Kant means attempt to ascertain can metaphysics be a science, uh, as such blueprint, uh, it uh, 
covers it gives form to all the uh, to chapters in the Kant's book and chapters uh, mirror uh, the activity of the reflection of the pure mind in itself so when Kant talks about metaphysics uh, to be more precise when he talks about what he calls dogmaticism that is to say philosophy that ascertains uh, that there are some uh, uh, super sensual or, or supernatural principles that be inquired, he mostly means in terms of Leibniz-Wolfian uh, philosophy. It's called Leibniz-Wolfian because, as I said, uh, Wolf was uh, expounder uh, of Leibniz's philosophy. And Wolf's philosophy was kind of an attempt to create uh, or develop a form of Protestant scholasticism. Now, critique, Kant's critique mostly, uh, when Kant talks about uh, critique of Plato or critique of Aristotle, but mostly of Plato, in what, it, what he thinks, in fact, is more like critique of Leibniz. Because uh, this is how metaphysics, uh, in this sense in which he believed that it is not really a proper form for it, uh, was mediated to him. So when Kant speaks, uh, for instance, about uh, so-called uh, antinomies of uh, pure reason, where he tries to prove that uh, whether you ascertain that the world has beginning in time or doesn't have a beginning in time, it all amounts to the same because both propositions uh, can be proven true. He is, in fact, perusing uh, cosmology or one form of metaphysica specialis provided by Christian Wolff. At least he is using the form of this uh, separation and diversification of philosophical sciences uh, that Wolff proposed. Now, why is this important? It is important because uh, what we call to ontology today as I said, was metaphysics day before yesterday. And before it was called metaphysics, it was called first philosophy or wisdom by Aristotle. And I would even venture uh, to say that uh, Plato had it in far more congenial way to Aristotle than most people think. But that's subject in itself, of course. I'll just put that as a remark to for you to think about it if you're interested. Uh, the origin of the question of being in the sense that a being is inquired upon as being insofar it is a being uh, comes from Aristotle's metaphysics. And as I said at the outset, this question was posed, uh, to be more precise, in books Gamma and Epsilon of Aristotle's metaphysics. Uh, so let us paraphrase Aristotle himself from the uh, beginning of the Gamma book of Metaphysics. So he says, There has to be a science that inquires into being insofar it is being, in Greek, on heon, and all things that pertain to it in itself. Because every other science divides or separates uh, specific genera of being 
but uh, no other special science investigates being in so far it is being that is to say being that transcends the genera so let us unpack this definition as quickly as we can um, the very important is this uh, word that I translated as things pertaining to it in itself. Uh, Greek word is hyparhontas. Uh, one could call them dependencies. Things that are proper to being insofar it is being. Not being insofar it is some particular genera of being. Genera of being are, for instance, let's say animals or uh, let's say material things or angels. If, if we if we want to put it that way to uh, lift it up a notch being insofar it is being uh, takes uh, into its focus what is common to everything in fact and what is very interesting and very important to understand uh, this common being ens universalis or on her own is uh, uh, something that exists it's not a concept it's not something that you gain through investigations of all beings in general and you make some kind of intellectual act that somehow creates this being as being this is not the case uh, in uh, ancient and uh, later medieval philosophy uh, this is a modern approach now when we say that uh, this is science, uh, when if we want to follow Aristotle, it has nothing to do with philosophical science as uh, Christian Wolff understood it, or his uh, critic uh, Immanuel Kant, and even later one who was also dependent to some, in some extent to this understanding, modern understanding of philosophical science, Hegel. There is nothing of a sort in Aristotle. Now, I'll just point out this uh, genera of particular beings. Onheon uh, is not a generic term. It's very important to understand. Being, in the sense of on in Greek, or ens in Latin, transcends genera because genera, uh, is differentiated, that is to say, given uh, its active form, its reality, in fact, by species. And this comes from outside of the genera itself. For instance, uh, man is the uh, living being or living animal uh, uh, endowed with uh, intellect or even language, so zon logon ehon in Greek. Now, zon is genera, animal is genera, uh, having, uh, having uh, being endowed with intellect is differentia, it's, a, it, it's what contracts this genera in the species of man. There is nothing in animal that is actually intellect. Uh, but bear in mind, uh, the... This does not mean uh, that uh, man is somehow composed from animal and intellectual uh, immaterial nature, which is what this in fact means. No, uh, man is as a whole an animal, but only in implicit sense. That is to say, man has all the potentialities of animal, 
but only those are actual that are informed by his intellectual nature. And this difference differentiates him from all the other animals. And this is very important to understand because today uh, this, this relationship is not really understood like that. Uh, this uh, certain uh, reality of uh, possibilities and potencies. This would mean, to just the same passing, that every man has potentialities of woman in himself and vice versa. Uh, those potentialities cannot be actualized because he is man. His form, eidos or forma in Latin, uh, that is to say the actual existence of him, uh, not actual, uh, let's say principle of actual existence, because matter is here un being understood as potency, or potency as matter, although potency is a far wider term, because potency pertains to being as being, not only as being as material being, uh, will never be actualized. And they will never be actualized because uh, the form that in really informs every human being is the soul. This is the principle of action, the act of body, as they would say traditionally, uh, not in the sense uh, of uh, genitivus, uh, declension, in the sense that uh, somehow body produces soul, but vice versa. Soul is in uh, natural uh, order uh, prior to body because it gives it unity among uh, above all other things and it gives it unity in a specific in a human uh, case uh, personal way but it's very important that it is not why i'm saying that this because although it's not the subject of this podcast it's ever present subject of the debates in the west namely that biology defines men and women no it doesn't metaphysics defines man and woman, that is to say, or be to be more precise, a metaphysical entity, uh, entity that is, that is uh, to some extent uh, investigated by metaphysics or physics, physica, but understood in a traditional way, not in the modern way, that is to say soul and intellect. But that's, of course, a story in itself. So let us go further. Uh, what are these dependencies of being as being? And being is not genera, it's wider, not even more general than genera, but universal. No difference can come into being. You cannot say, for instance, uh, that being is differentiated in species, because the only thing that is opposite to being is non-being. Where there is non-being, must I make a conclusion myself? There is no being. It's very important to understand these are not just logical games as people today think. But I won't, uh, I won't belabor the point because it's not a subject here. So let us move, move forward. So this is uh, the, the specific kind of knowledge. Uh, this knowledge of metaphysics of first philosophy is analysis in uh, original sense, which means um, drawing uh, the effect uh, uh, the implication, the present, finding the presence of the cause in the effect, drawing oneself and one's own mind towards the cause by following the traces of the cause in the effect. And being in general points, universal being, the ever presence of being, 
uh, implies something that is beyond being, in fact. In, and Aristotle posed uh, generations of his interprets in modern age, at, at least, with, uh, with a dilemma, because uh, on the one hand, he claims that... Uh, uh, we have a science of universal being, but on the other hand, he would say, uh, he said in, in the same breath that it is also theology, but theology uh, investigates uh, primarily one unique cause and principle of all, that is God. So how can uh, something be both universal and uh, one specific, as he says, substance, immaterial, completely actual substance, in fact, pure energia, pure energy, in a specific sense of the word energy, not in the New Age sense, mind you. Now, uh, for him, this was not dilemma. For his interprets, uh, Platonic, especially Neoplatonist, it was no dilemma. And uh, I think that we can best understood what is meant uh, by this uh, when we introduce the third thinker uh, from the third period, that is to say not antiquity, not modernity, but Middle Ages, who uh, gave, uh, uh, gave form to uh, what we call now call ontology, and he called it metaphysics in contrast to Aristotle, and that's Thomas Aquinas. And I'm referring here to his uh, uh, interpretation of Boetius, Severin Boetius, a Latin, uh, very important Latin thinker, uh, De Trinitate. And this little book, that is commentary, uh, has a hefty, hefty uh, last, uh, let's say, chapter, uh, that is devoted to explaining what metaphysics is and differentiating metaphysics for, from theology, which is very, very important in Christianity. It is my opinion that Christianity really managed uh, to fulfill the philosophy of antiquity. Not that philosophy of antiquity uh, was partial or contradictory as in itself as something, but it gave it a kind of resolution. So, not to belabor that point also, uh, what does uh, Thomas claim? Well, it's simple. For Thomas, uh, the subject of metaphysics is ens universalis, same as Aristotle would say. But we have to understand uh, the, uh, the difference in language usage between us and Thomas, because we would say probably that uh, not that being as being, if it is what is inquired by this science is subject, we would say it is object, but it is not. First of all, as I always repeat, uh, for thinkers like Aquinas and Aristotle, division between subject and object in the modern sense does not exist. It is an existent problem. And people who see this, uh, think in this discrepancy, when they start to interpret them, uh, read into their philosophy something that is, was never there. And if, for my mind, it, it was quite better for them that it wasn't there. Object and subject have different meaning. Object for Thomas Aquinas is the medium of knowledge. So to give you an example, light is the ob object of sight. Now, this means that if I am now looking at the microphone to which I'm speaking, 
microphone is not object of my vision, but uh, a, a luminous air through which I see it. Because uh, everything that is seen must uh, requires light. Very similarly, uh, the subject of metaphysics, which is universal being, has to be look upon, looked upon through principles of metaphysics, which are first principles and causes. That is to say, God and his acts, angels, so on. It's a long story, let's say, but ultimately God. However, God is subject to nothing, and consequently, God is not subject of metaphysics, although he is present in it. And this is something that is really uh, easy, uh, simple to understand, but not easy. And this, this is, I mean, the book I'm talking about, the passages uh, I'm talking about in Thomas are painstakingly detailed, uh, and very, very simple, very concise and clear, but they gave you so much food for thought that sometimes you feel really oversaturated with it. Now, what this means? This means that everything that is known in metaphysics is known in a certain medium, I would say. And this medium is the light that is provided by these principles. This light is being and uh, Thomas very often uses the word light in what in fact is really not metaphoric sense. And this is something that require, that would require although, also uh, a podcast and uh, or essay in itself. This understanding of metaphor. Because he really uh, takes the point that intelligible light, which is the light uh, that is perceivable to intellect, is origin of the physical light uh, that or better to say origin of the uh, let's say usage of the metaphor of light in everything else as if light participates in intelligible light in some sense but this would take us of course too far so Metaphysics requires the present of something that is unknown in itself, that is known only as present, not in the sense that you understand what it is. So everything is understood in the light of, in fact, creation. Because the ens universalis, that uh, is the proper subject of metaphysics, is the fact uh, that everything that is uh, that we humans, uh, the human mind can comprehend, or even superhuman mind of angels, which is very important in Middle Ages, is a creature. Uh, the first cre uh, creation, the first uh, and uh, elementary form of creation is being. Therefore, not being as, as some kind of quantifiable being or some different genres of being, but being as being is created. And you understand it as created in metaphysics because it points out to its cause, to its origin, which is God. So from metaphysics, you really can uh, become aware of the existence of God. 
of course, this word existence, uh, something that is, well, not really well translated uh, from Latin esse, is also something that we more properly uh, translate as being. This is infinitive of the verb to be. But it's not being in the sense of ends, it is being in the sense of the so-called act of being. And this is, this is really, this opens uh, a, a whole lot of <laughs> depth that I can, cannot go, really go into now. I'm simplifying, very much simplifying things here. But this is more or less for the sakes of this podcast explanation of how Middle Ages in, in its proper form, as I would claim in, in, in high Middle Ages of Thomas Aquinas or Albert the Great and such thinkers, even Eckhart, understood this. Uh, so those are, we have three notions. We have ontology of Christian Wolff, we have first philosophy of Aristotle, and we have metaphysics of Thomas Aquinas. In both three senses concern being as being, but as I think you already noticed, have a radical different, uh, not uh, a radical, radical different content of what they consider being to be. Because what Christian Wolff considers to be this ens universalis has very little to do, save in words, uh, what Thomas considers or what uh, Aristotle considers to be being. So ontology, to, uh, to conclude, ontology is a modern term. Ontology presupposes subject-object split. Uh, presu it presupposes a modern science at its inception uh, and the scientific way of thinking, of understanding causes, of the primacy of laws of nature, over causes and such things of uh, theodicy for instance instead of theology and a lot a lot of other things uh, but above all uh, of science understood as this uh, methodical subject object uh, split and an attempt that you from subject uh, somehow reach the object and then you have these separations of sciences into into specific systematic di dis disciplines there are no systems in aristotle and thomas and i will conclude just saying why because the subject transcends uh, the inquirer you who are inquiring into being as being uh, are in a sense, uh, derivative of it. You are part of it. So, uh, whereas the cause of being as being of ens universalis transcends all, it is uncreated cause. So you cannot have uh, you cannot have limited knowledge, which system is of unlimited. Uh, and in systems, the problem is that systems, uh, when they when you introduce them into metaphysics, uh, tend to uh, make uh, what is finite to make it absolute because system by its very nature requires uh, uh, totality, circumscribing to the totality and coming to some kind of absolute knowledge. And that's something that happened not long after Christian Wolff uh, with Hegel and later the others 
I already spoke and wrote about it, but now we have to uh, close this podcast. I, f- I believe that this was exhaustive enough and that I properly answer your question. Thank you for your attention. This was Branko Malic of Kali Tribune signing out. Thank you.